Welcome to ING's Think Aloud, where we try to make sense of the world in the most unbanky way we can. In today's episode... Nationalism is resurgent. Repression is rising. Rivalries among countries are deepening. And attacks against the rules-based order are intensifying. In a statement aimed at China, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken told the U.N. last week that the U.S. would push back forcefully when countries violate the rules and undermine the international order. The remarks followed a heated exchange with China's foreign minister in Alaska back in March. Between our two countries, we've had confrontation in the past, and the result did not serve the United States well. What did the United States gain from that confrontation? I didn't see any, and the only result was damages done to the United States. While the Biden administration offered the possibility of a reset in U.S.-China relations, the rhetoric on both sides has remained tough, and Trump's tariffs remain firmly in place. So what does this mean for world trade? I'm Rebecca Byrne, and today I'm talking to ING's senior economist, Joanna Connings, to find out. Joanna, when Biden was elected, there were expectations that the trade relationship with China would be a bit less adversarial, but it hasn't quite turned out like that, has it? No, Biden's campaign was quite tough on China, but there was still that expectation that it would work with and through the international system rather than the US taking unilateral action against China. But What we've seen between the US and China so far is that the US has been quite direct about the problems it has with Chinese policies. And both sides have been quite surprisingly public about airing their grievances against one another. And the US has also continued to add Chinese firms to its entity list, which bans them from exporting. So it's definitely gone a bit worse than it was expected to go. One of the big reasons that Trump gave for starting the trade war and imposing tariffs in the first place was the US trade deficit. Now, the the US deficit with China did come down during Trump's term in office, but it rose with other countries and the deficit overall is at a record high. There've also been a lot of complaints that Trump's tariffs led to job losses and higher prices. So why would Biden continue down this path? Behind the scenes, um, the US is reviewing the trade war tariffs and for all the reasons you've just said it's quite likely to find that there are more suitable tools for achieving its aims with trade policy and for China's policies but one thing actually is that Catherine Tai the US trade representative has actually said she thinks that other legal tools than tariffs are going to be necessary to satisfy the US about um China's treatment of foreign intellectual property. So that I think there is already an acknowledgement that tariffs aren't doing the job. But at the moment, they're serving a political purpose of keeping the pressure on, uh, even though they've never really been a good tool for addressing the US trade deficit or the specific policies of any other country, um, they're, they're holding China's feet to the fire. Well, it's not just US-China relations that have deteriorated recently, is it? We've seen diplomatic tensions between the EU and China also heating up recently. What's going on there? In March, the EU used a newly adopted regulation to impose some sanctions on Chinese officials and entities. And they were, those sanctions were asset freezes and travel bans. 
And the EU wasn't alone in that. The US and UK and Canada also imposed some sanctions on, on China. Um, but China has retaliated against the EU with its own sanctions on EU politicians, uh, some EU officials, some EU academics. And as a result of this uh, exchange of sanctions, the CAI, the investment deal, Comprehensive Agreement on Investment, negotiated by the EU and Chinese officials in late 2020, has now stopped progressing towards ratification in the EU. So it's kind of ground to a halt. And that leaves trade relationship between the two a little bit uncertain and difficult. Can we at least say that trade relations between the EU and the US have turned a corner? Biden criticised Trump for his unilateral approach, but will there be a change there? Well, we're about to find out because in some ways the EU and US trade relationship is actually the most active part of the tariff war volcano at the moment. Because thinking back three years ago, the US raised steel and aluminium tariffs against nearly all its trade partners, and the EU held back part of the tariff increases it put in in retaliation. And now we're about to reach the deadline, which is in June, for the EU to make those increases that it was going to make three years ago and it it held off. So the EU and US are in talks. And in one respect, they've already shown that they're ready to de-escalate trade tensions. They suspended the tariff increases that had been made in the Boeing Airbus dispute. So that was a separate dispute that they've been having that had resulted in some tariff increases. The US and China also agree that the EU is not the root cause of low global steel and aluminium prices. They both point the finger at China for that. So there is hope that the the EU won't follow through with its threatened tariff increase. And instead, we might see the EU and the US agree to take action together. Um, But it probably won't lead to the US removing its steel and aluminium tariffs on all countries at the moment. Um, But there are talks and there are signs that there could be a bit of progress. Well, one thing that the EU and US certainly seem to agree on is the need to reduce supply chain risks in the wake of the pandemic. Obviously, earlier this year, we had another shock with the ever given container ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal. So what are they planning to do? Well, both the EU and US have said that the pandemic has shown the need to review critical supply chains. And for the EU, this was limited to the supply chain for medical products. But the US has come up with a longer list of different sectors it wants to review. Uh, Some it's going to review very quickly in June. Those reviews are going to report. And others are happening over the next few months. And once the EU and the US have a clearer picture of these supply chains, they have different options for making them more secure. They can broadly diversify their suppliers, so not all suppliers face the same shocks at once. And as part of this, policymakers might be looking at supporting more domestic production, which is so-called reshoring of these supply chains. But how possible this is really, really varies between different goods. And the one thing we know is it would definitely raise costs for firms um, if they're required to do this. So they've said they want to reduce supply chain risks and they're in a process of of understanding what they see the biggest risks as being at the moment. Have these events prompted a shift in the mindset from what is essentially the cheapest option in the short term to what's the safest option over the longer term? Are are we likely to see more production and, and manufacturing being brought back home? 
The funny thing to me is that supply chains have performed relatively well during the pandemic. And in fact, we've had a really, really clear demonstration of how shocks can hit your own production and distribution networks at home, rather than it always being a far-flung thing that is to do with the very start of your supply chain or an outsourced destination. But we're also seeing as a result of the pandemic, uh, large rises in costs, the higher shipping costs and delays in ocean freight. And the pandemic has only made uh, the other kind of trade barriers that existed worse. So export bans, what we just talked about, the, the trade tensions between countries mean that tariffs are remaining in place. And all of these higher costs mean that the advantages of global supply chains are being eroded for firms. So we'll just have to see if firms decide to bring their production back home because it's now relatively less costly to just produce at home and policymakers would support that. Or whether they just they stop producing altogether because the costs of producing are just too high now. And of course, if you bring your production back home, you're probably losing some partnerships and export destinations for your products too as you withdraw back to domestic production. So it's not... It's not, necess- it's not necessarily going to make people safer to, to bring production back home. Okay, so given everything that we've discussed today, Joanna, what are you expecting for world trade this year? What's your forecast? Uh, so my forecast is for a 10% rise in trade volumes this year, just for goods. Um, and that followed a 5% fall overall last year. And then I think it's going to gradually return back to low growth trend that we saw in 2016 to 19, where we saw the uncertainty and costs ramping up in the trade war. And the reason that I think a 10% rise is on the cards for this year is that despite the higher costs and barriers that exist, uh, economies are on track to open up. And there's also hope that the congestion that's currently affecting many ports and, and ocean freight in general that should ease as well uh, later in the year. So we're going to see that opening up boost the demand for some goods. Also, thanks to services opening up, especially imported foods and other things that are used by the tourism and hospitality sectors will will really suddenly see a big boost in demand. Um, So all of those things should add up to a temporary boost, but then we're still going to face the higher trade barriers problem further out. Okay, ING's Senior Economist Joanna Connings, thank you so much. Thank you. This podcast has been prepared by ING solely for information purposes, irrespective of a particular user's means, financial situation, or investment objective. The information does not constitute investment recommendation, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice, or an offer of solicitation to purchase or sell any financial instrument. Read more at think.ing.com slash content dash disclaimer.